0: On this episode, a UFO researcher and author assesses the current state of ufology and offers up some possible explanations for the UFO ET phenomenon.
1: My late friend Mac Tonys, who wrote a book called The Crypto-Terrestrials, his idea was that there was some race that had been here as long as we had, or maybe longer, and had developed parallel to us and and then into a different direction and was basically hiding from us now because they don't want anything to do with us. And to me, that's a good viable theory. I don't really know how you test it. This
0: podcast is brought to you by BrightBiz. If you own a business or you've dreamed of starting one, there's a helpful free guide with 36 business power tools proven to boost sales, increase income, simplify your life, and give you better results with less effort. Best of all, this business toolbox is yours absolutely free. And these are useful online tools that make doing almost anything a lot easier. Just visit FreeBusinessToolbox.com to grab your copy. I know there are a lot of websites out there that offer a special deal on something, but then they stick you in some recurring program. Sound familiar? But this isn't like that. There's no hidden thing to try. Brightbiz is giving away this guide free of charge as a means of putting their best foot forward. But all good things must come to an end, so don't wait. Grab your free guide today. Visit FreeBusinessToolbox.com. FreeBusinessToolbox.com. That's FreeBusinessToolbox.com.
2: Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett.
0: Hey, welcome to your Wednesday. I think it was comedian Dane Cook who had this great line, when people refer to back in the day, it was a Wednesday. Just a little fun fact for you. So one day when somebody actually says, oh, back in the day, they were talking about today, Wednesday. So enjoy it. It was back in March, it might have been a Wednesday, and it was the third time in three months where a declassified Defense Department video showed U.S. Navy F-18 fighters seemingly encountering UFOs. One of the pilots uh, on the video was heard to say, oh my gosh, dude, this was an F-18 Super Hornet military jet and its encounter in 2015 with this unusual object along the East Coast. The oval-shaped aircraft zipped around with befuddling speed. Another pilot was heard to say, "'Wow, what is that, man? Look at that flying.'" This 35-second video was released by the privately-owned media and scientific research company to the STARS Academy of Arts and Science. It's the latest to suggest the existence of hovering egg-shaped vessels uh, since the Pentagon in December publicly acknowledged a program dedicated to the study of unidentified flying objects. And while the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program, or ATIP, Ostensibly ran from 27 to 2012. Those familiar with it say efforts are still being made to further learn about these objects. Well, my guest on this episode has been, like many of us, saying, oh, my gosh, dude, what is that thing for a good number of years? And uh, together, we're going to take the temperature of modern ufology as a field of study. How is it doing? Where is it headed? He's also going to offer up some of his own ideas as to what might be behind the UFO ET phenomenon. Greg Bishop has been interested in facts that don't fit from an early age. In 1991, Greg co-founded a magazine called The Excluded Middle, which was a journal of UFOs, conspiracy research, psychedelia, and new science. Wake up down there, which Anthologized many of the articles and features was published in 2000. Greg's second book was Project Beta, the story of Paul Benowitz, national security and the creation of a modern UFO myth, which documented a government campaign of of disinformation perpetrated against an unsuspecting U.S. citizen. Weird California, a portrait of strange and eerie history and places in the Golden State, was published in 2006. And from December 2007 to November 2011, Greg blogged for the UFO and paranormal site UFO Mystic. His current book, It Defies Language, is a collection of essays detailing his long involvement with the UFO subject, government insiders, and theories and opinions about what is behind this phenomenon. And for two years, Greg hosted The Hungry Ghost, an interview and music show airing on pirate FM station KBLT in Los Angeles. His current interviews with UFO and paranormal researchers and personalities can be heard at RadioMysterioso.com. Greg Bishop, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm doing great, Richard. How are you? Very well. I was mentioning in the introduction that you're a fine writer, researcher, and um, your other job, of course, is uh, one of the fine webmasters at Coast to Coast AM. So occasionally we get to work together on Coast. How did that come about for you?
1: Uh, one of my friends, uh, Tim Banal, uh, told me about a job. I interviewed for it, and it turned out that I – don't, I don't know. I guess I was the kind of person they wanted because I'm interested in the subject matter. I can write a complete sentence with proper grammar and spelling. <laughs> <laughs> that helps, yes. And uh, – which is apparently now a marketable skill. And, Who knew? Uh, Who knew? Yeah, exactly. And um, – uh available too i mean i've i i do not have a set job anymore actually the job came up right after i lost uh i got laid off from a job in post-production which i worked in in hollywood for 25 or more years and and your interest in all things strange
0: and particularly in in ufos which is where we'll go with this interview when did that begin and how
1: it began when I was a child when we used to go to the library every week. My father said, get two or three books and we'll come back next week. It turned out I went through all the paranormal UFO and cryptozoology and ghost books in one library. Took me a couple years. Then I went to another library and finished off all the ones that weren't at the first library. I don't know why I did that. I don't know, you know, I've talked to researchers and said, Well maybe you got something in your background, we should do a regression. I was like, no, 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 no. I don't think any of that stuff happened. Um, but yeah, the, the, I've I, I have since seen things, you know, a couple of times. But I don't know where the interest came from. I think, and, and part of it is just my, you know, nature of me being interested in things that are not um, scheduled for most people or that is uh, – that, that kind of thumb th- – the, the, the weird stuff thumbs its nose at the reality most people think they live in and that makes me happy. Right. But, but you are – I mean you're more than obviously taking a casual interest in
0: this. I mean you dive pretty deep into this. What, how would you characterize the current state uh,
1: of ufology? uh in transition i think which is strange i would never s- could have guessed i'd be saying that even a year ago and it's all because obviously because of the new york times article and to the stars and all that it's thrown a huge wrench into ufology and it's uh caused uh, a lot of people to get very excited and saying this is you know this is what's coming this this is what we've been waiting for and a lot of other people that are saying well hold on a, a second here Somebody's telling us somebody who we never believed before is now telling us everything we want to hear. I you know, and I kind of agree with that. It it means you should be a lot more suspicious than be a lot more accepting.
0: Right. Someone Uh, who who has been involved in covert operations in Central America is telling us all of this. So you're right. I mean, we we need to look at this with some healthy skepticism, although some are calling this essentially disclosure. What, what, What do you what do you think?
1: Uh, I don't think it's disclosure. I think it's, I think it's telling people what they want to hear. Um, that to me is not disclosure. Uh, I think if there was kind of some kind of quote unquote disclosure, I think that term has been co-opted too much, but if there was some some kind of disclosure, it would be something that it would take us a while to get our minds around. Uh, And we wouldn't even recognize it as such, if that makes any sense.
0: Well, at the very least, it is a de facto admission, finally, that the U.S. government, branches of the U.S. government are interested in, know about, are studying uh, the UFO reality. That's pretty close to disclosure.
1: Yeah, and the funny thing is that UFO researchers knew this all along. <laughs> yes. But I think I think the point is that they can, you know, go to their friends and say, see, we were right. They were interested in it. But, you know, it's it's only gone halfway now. It's not even gone halfway. It's just kind of an admission they're interested in some videos of things that are indis- indistinct. I mean, there's some. I guess they're strange, but it's not like, you know, supposedly the Holloman film of something landing and things getting out and talking to a colonel and all that. I don't know if we're ever going to see that. Um, if it does exist, uh, but it is a, it is a step and actually I can complain about this all I want and whine and moan and say, you know, why are you believing people now when you didn't believe them, you know, a year ago? Um, but the upshot of a lot of this, which is completely unexpected to me and I like is that serious people seem to be taking it a little more seriously. Uh, that is definitely a, a, uh, Uh, some fallout from from all of this since last December. The
0: the treatment or the tone has certainly changed uh, vis-a-vis the New York Times article. However, it does seem to be following this established pattern where I, I remember, for example, Edgar Mitchell, I believe he was in England at the time when he was saying UFOs are real. And I've been told, you know, by people in the military, there was a big splash and then it all went away. And we're seeing this again with this New York Times story, very little in the way of follow up.
1: Well there yeah there was a little bit of follow up there was one more release um uh along with an opinion piece uh by uh Chris Mellon in the Washington Post uh I guess two or three weeks ago now and they're trying to keep the pressure on but uh I don't know what the end game for this is I I you can believe the to the stars people and say the end game is that we're going to use this technology to benefit mankind, which I seriously doubt. If you have advanced technology, you would, usually it benefits the people that have, have the most money and power, obviously. And the second part of um, uh, revealing what the real story is about the UFO subject to everybody, this is just one group's view. Uh, I don't happen to agree with their view. I think it's far stranger than aliens coming here from other planets. It's uh, It involves uh, – I think it involves us very heavily, and we don't recognize that, meaning we put our spin on something that is incomprehensible to us normally, so we have to make sense of it. So we make sense of it in a way that makes sense to us, and I'm not sure if that's exactly what it is, if you, if you see what I'm getting at.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, you have – I believe it was in your, uh, your book, It Defies Language, Essays on UFOs and Other Weirdness. Yeah. you 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 talk about how most of the current search for answers about UFOs are misguided and antiquated. What did you mean by that?
1: Uh, what I mean is I think it's high time that people stopped uh, taking down reports and putting them in databases and then looking going out and looking for more reports and putting them in databases and doing something like um, asking and this is what I think is the most important question you could ask if you're into this is what causes UFO reports? Reports, not where UFOs come from, not who's flying them, none of those things. What causes the report? That brings up so many other questions. You know, why did somebody report it? What did they see? What was the nature of what they saw? Did anybody else see it? Has anybody else seen something like this? What, you know, were there other witnesses? Um, what does the human mind do when it's, when it's faced with something that's completely out of its? Uh, uh, you know, normal uh, waking consciousness and normal experience. A lot of questions come up when you when you ask that question. I don't think that question is being asked. People are concentrating, basically, on the on the small picture of where you know what are people reporting, and not on the bigger picture of why they're reporting it and what is the source of what they're reporting. I don't know if it's things coming from other planets. I know I'm pretty sure it's not. You know, it's not our consciousness. I'm pretty sure it's at least some of the reports have to do with something that isn't human but I think if I put a name on it or people put a name on it or a model of it that's what you look for and that may not be what it is you is. You're just, it's like looking in a mirror I, I, something I said in the book I said um, is the UFO subject you know, whatever is uh, associated with UFOs if we start looking too closely does it just hold up a mirror to us I, I think these are questions that need to be uh, asked looked at and um, teased apart I, I was speaking with
0: Preston Dennett uh, the other night, and on my terrestrial, my weekly terrestrial radio show. And he's going to join me on Coast to Coast uh, mm-hmm. shortly. Actually, by the time this podcast airs, he will have been on with me. But he has uh, a, a new book out about USOs, uh, mm-hmm. unidentified submersible objects. Now, you're right. right there on the West Coast, uh, and he tells me that, you know, it's become a thing. People go down to the beach, and they watch these strange lights coming up out of the water somewhere, I guess, between San Clemente and and around Catalina Island and up to uh, Santa Barbara. Have you uh, – I mean, is this a thing, and have you done it? Have you gone down to the beach? Have you seen strange lights coming out of the water?
1: I didn't even not know about this till Preston told me about it <laughs> because it's – he's he's talked to people and he's, he's actually talked to groups of people that go out and sit – like you said, sit there and look for these things. Now I want to go out and do it. Um, strangely enough, I had him on my show recently and I, I just finished editing. I'm just about to post his interview. But we didn't talk about the USOs so much as talk about what we just talked about. He's very much into the extraterrestrial hypothesis, thinks it's the best – uh, answer. I'm not so sure. So we had kind of a back and forth about that. But now, now you've got me interested to go out there and um, find out from Preston where these. I, I guess there's a group of people in Catalina that do this. There's people along the coast that do this, and it's it apparently so common that it's like going to Area 51 in the early 90s. You're almost guaranteed to see something, which is strange. That that's that's amazing. Um, what I'd like to do is actually go up in an airplane and fly over these areas and see see what we can see from the air.
0: Right. And there was, of course, a much celebrated episode of the low files with actor Rob Lowe with his uh, two grown uh, teenage or two grown uh, sons in tow. And uh, they, I guess, chartered some sort of a vessel off the coast of Malibu in search of this uh, underwater base, which uh, our colleague Jimmy Church, I guess, has spotted on uh, on uh, one of the Google Earth maps. What do you think is down there?
1: I've looked at that. The first time I saw it, I said, huh, that looks interesting. And then I realized that it is just – w- until we have a clear picture of what's going on there, it's just something that looks strange on Google Earth. Um, we don't have – a; cl- they don't have clear pictures of what's underwater. They just have sort of a rough estimate of what I think of what uh, what the topography under, under underwater looks like. So until we find out if there's really something there, I'm not so sure. Although they have been – um, stories about uh submarine uh, tunnels going from uh, the coast far far inland, like maybe even into Nevada and area fifty one i 've heard stories like that um, and also you know California has a very deep and long history of uFO reports going back to Uh, to uh, mission times in the the 18th century. So it's always been a place of strangeness, um, which I wrote about in Weird California, uh, come come to think of it.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, Well, the the whole idea of these craft coming up out of the water, uh, perhaps from some underground base, we have, of course, Michael Sala writing about the hidden history of the Antarctic and Nazis uh, with alien technology and so forth, uh, which which leaves us where uh, in in terms of what these things might be. Does that mean that extraterrestrial is now off the uh, off the docket? We're talking about something or someone who has always been here. It's right; they're right under our feet, literally.
1: Yeah, well, that was the idea of my late friend Mac Tonys who wrote a book called The Crypto Terrestrials in which he proposed that there has been some – and you know, he wasn't – this was a thought experiment for him. He didn't 100 percent believe this. I don't either. I don't 100 percent believe anything in this weird – with all this weird stuff. You have to keep your mind open. But his idea was that um, there was some race that had been here as long as we had or maybe longer. And had developed, you know, parallel to us, and in, and then into a different direction, and it was basically hiding from us now because they don't want anything to do with us. And to me, that's you know, that's that's a that's a good viable um, theory. I don't really know how you test it. Uh, actually, I don't really know how you test any of these things with regards to UFOs. There's no way to prove any of these things. Without having some way of showing everybody that wants to do the same thing, and you can't do that with UFOs. That's what makes it so fascinating,
0: and that's what keeps us employed. It's, it's built-in job <laughs> security. These things, ulti- <laughs> these things ultimately are will never, perhaps, perhaps never be resolved.
1: Which, yeah, which- that's why you have to keep a, a completely open mind. I, I do not have a hundred percent view of anything in this field. I'm interested in many things, but I don't. I don't have a you know. A theory that I hold close to me is saying this is this is my favorite theory and this is what it is. Um, there's good parts of all these theories, but if you stick to one of them, you find lots of pieces of your, your cherished theory start falling apart under scrutiny.
0: Mm. Uh, I want to dial back. Uh, this is a book I think you wrote more than 10, maybe 12 years ago, Project Beta. Um, mm-hmm. For those who don't know the story of Paul Benowitz, uh, just sort of summarize what happened to him.
1: Uh, Paul Benowitz was an electrical physicist. He had his own company called Thunder Scientific, which still exists. Uh, he lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico in the 1970s, 80s. Sometime in the late 70s, he saw weird lights moving around uh, an Air Force base there, Kirtland. And he was a UFO enthusiast, too. So he decided he would tell the Air Force that he was seeing all these weird lights and to let them know that there were UFOs flying around the Air Force base. Uh Apparently, these lights were not UFOs, at least most of them. And uh, But they were very interested to know what he knew because he lived right next to the base. That he could see these things. He was filming them actually with an eight millimeter camera, uh, taking pictures of them. Uh, probably they had something to do with unmanned aerial vehicles, which was something nobody really talked about in the late 70s, early 80s. So um, they took him he, – he came to the base, gave him a report. They realized that he was looking at things he probably shouldn't be and they wanted to know what he was looking at, how he knew what he knew, how he was figuring out um, electronic transmissions that were coded. Uh, but he was an electri- he was a, a, a electronics whiz so he could do this. And this was in the late 70s when it's a lot harder for, for anybody to do any of this stuff. Um, they said, "Paul, this is very interesting. Please keep us updated. Uh, you're, you know, we considered you to be working with us. Now, um, they just wanted his confidence, so they could find out who he was, you know, what he was seeing, who he was talking to. More importantly, and at some certain point, how to control his perceptions so it didn't get too close to some of these uh, uh, defense uh, uh, projects that were going on in Kirtland at the time, and, and still do, I believe." Um, the problem with Paul uh, Benowitz was that he was so into the UFO subject and so not willing to listen to somebody saying, "Well, maybe you better step back for a minute, Paul. Here and 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 uh, consider that maybe some of this stuff is not really provable." Um, it was a it was a bad mix. Eventually, he ended up in a mental health facility as his uh, his family put him there for a couple of months, just because he was so paranoid and so out of whack and so disturbed. Um, that they, they couldn't see any way, other way but uh, the Air Force Office of Special Investigations other people that were watching him, talking to him they didn't particularly care about his state of mind as long as they it kept him away from uh, certain projects and uh, it's 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 a very it's a very sorrowful case in the annals of uh, ufology. But uh, when I wrote the book, I wanted to try to get to the bottom of that, since I soon I knew some of the principles in the story.
0: Right, but the idea that they were running uh, the U.S. Air Force—that is, running a psychological profile and disinformation campaign on on Benowitz. Uh, I mean- Obviously, they they were trying they were trying to keep him away from you know certain classified secrets uh, and finding out too much. But were they also sort of using this as an incubator to to use on the general population with regards to ufology?
1: I don't think they were thinking that far ahead. All they were thinking about was Paul Benowitz and people like him. And I don't even know if they ran a psychological profile. They just sort of tried to keep him at bay and keep tabs on him. Um, the the one real disturbing thing that I heard from uh, a couple of people I talked to was that he had injection marks on his arms. Very disturbing time and you could say, well, maybe he's doing it to himself. I, I'm i not sure if that's the case. Um, and I asked a couple people, um, different people inside and outside the uh, government, if they saw these things. They said, yes, they, he did have injection marks on his arm, but we didn't know where they came from. He said that, that Um, Aliens were coming in To his house at night and injecting Him with chemicals and making him do Things like drive off in the middle of the night and do Things Um, That sounds like uh, Psychological um, Psychological warfare or uh, Control to me that really bothers me That's the deepest darkest part of the story Most of the rest of it had to do With just him making, making Huge leaps of logic based on Just a little bit of information
0: Right, uh, there's a there's a term for that when they replace, they create a um, a memory uh, in order to cover for something else. What is that? A slider? Is that what they call a slider?
1: Uh, I guess so. Manchurian yeah. candidate. I don't know what you want to call, it. but yeah, right. I, I understand the, the concept.
0: Well, th- th- I mean, I'm wondering if they that may hold some clue to the to the greater idea of the alien abduction phenomenon and whether these are implanted memories. Would what, what are your care to speculate on that?
1: Yeah, well there's a whole segment of the research community and there has been since the nineties, uh, uh concerned with something called military abductions, my labs, M I L A B. Uh and uh, their idea is that um, abductions are, at least as far as I can remember, is, are completely caused by some sort of MK Ultra type experiment or program running to get people to believe certain things in a certain way. Um, I'm not so sure if that's 100 percent of what's going on, but I would not say that it's out of the realm of possibility. And a lot of people talked about it and a few people have uh, uh, presented information on this, especially uh, late 80s, early 90s. Through the 90s about this It's kind of died out now Uh, Melinda Leslie used to be the point person on this And I think she still is
0: well, speaking of implanted memories and mind control, wouldn't it be great to implant good behavior in our dogs? They can be real rascals. But seriously, wouldn't you like to develop your dog's hidden intelligence and eliminate bad behavior and create the obedient, well-behaved pet of your dreams? A woman named Adrienne Ferrocelli, a professional certified dog trainer, has helped hundreds of dog owners train their dogs to be well-behaved, obedient, loving pets by bringing out their hidden intelligence. You can quickly eliminate any behavior problem your dog has, no matter how badly you think it's ingrained, no matter what kind of dog you have. The science behind this is simple. You may have heard of neuroplasticity in the human brain. That's what allows our brains to learn new behaviors. Well, your dog's brain has this same plasticity. With the right mental stimulation that Adrian teaches, any dog's brain will become more open and receptive to learning new information. Your dog will listen to you and understand what you want it to do. When this happens, bad behaviors simply fade away as more desirable ones appear in their place. So, if you want to check out this remarkable dog training system, just visit realbusinessbargains.com. Realbusinessbargains.com. That's realbusinessbargains.com.
2: As you're staring up at the night sky, ever wonder who's staring back? No, me either. But I guess you better say it because of Richard, you know, he's all wrapped up in this stuff. <laughs> Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serex.
0: Author Greg Bishop is here, and we're talking about the state of ufology. How do you feel about the whole recovered memory, hypnotic regressions, and this sort of work that people like uh, David Jacobs and 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 others have used? Uh,
1: in this arena of of alien abductions? How do you feel about it? Uh, I think it's inaccurate and possibly dangerous uh, because when you're in a hypnotic state, you're very susceptible to suggestion. Um, I am not a hypnotist. I'm not a professional hypnotist. I've read up on the literature. I've talked to people on both sides of the issue. And... Um, there was a moratorium, actually, in, in among, among British researchers in the 90s, I believe, about uh, using hypnosis uh, in abduction research. And um, they, uh, they they kept getting s- stories, but sometimes I think even stranger ones that didn't fit the narrative. And that, that's another thing. If, uh, if the uh, hypnotist has a certain thing they're looking for, that's what they're going to – no matter how much they say they're going to be asking uh, open-ended questions – I think they have the, no matter what they say they have an agenda about what they are researching and what their point of view is and the people that come to them tend to come out with the story the kind of stories that that researcher is interested in um, so I don't I don't think it's an accurate or maybe even a safe thing to do with people that have had these kind of experiences to subject them to hypnosis by a UFO researcher possibly a you know a mental health professional uh, since they may not have a bias in any direction and see what happens with that but um yeah i i i think it's probably not a good tool for the abduction researcher that How, is my opinion right uh peter robbins who worked with bud hopkins for years we've had discussions about this and the only thing conclusion we came to is if i'd worked with Bub, bud hopkins for 20 or 25 years i might feel like peter does <laughs> right
0: right what, what, what about the work of john mack then in this regard
1: uh, I think uh, Mac was a little bit more careful, and I have uh, a bit more respect for the work he did. I, I actually talked to him a little bit when he was while he was still alive about some of his research, and he seemed to be uh, take the uh, hypnosis part as just one tool um, and i don 't think he jumped to too many conclusions actually the the thing I liked about Mac and nobody has done this until recently is I think he was more interested in the witness and helping the witness, uh, deal with a traumatic experience rather than, um, creating a research project where he was saying, you know, aliens were hybridizing with humans and all that. He was more interested in the, in the witness and their, 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 their state of mind and how he could help them. Um, and that I can respect. Right.
0: Well, the, um, the hybrid, that's become a favorite topic at uh, at UFO conferences, alien hybrids and time travelers to Mars and so forth. How much damage do you think uh, that some of these conferences do with these – the types of speakers that are really – well, to say that they're getting out over their skis is to put it mild, mildly, <laughs> but uh, – what, what, what do you make of what's going on, and even with with MUFON? I mean, I, I understand the need to sell tickets and so forth. Uh, what, what do you? What, what is your take on that? Uh,
1: with regards to large UFO groups, for the last I don't know five or six years, actually longer. I gave a speech in two thousand eight or seven, I think it was, in New Mexico, where I said, "Get rid of the big UFO groups," and people walked out of the talk. Um. And I said, my suggestion is that a top down approach to the UFO problem I- issue is probably not going to get you very far because the the issue the 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 phenomenon is not top down it's bottom up if you if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. The witnesses have a lot of things to say, and, and the, the, there's people that run these organizations that say we're going to look at it in this way, so they ignore vast amounts of of data and witness testimony because it doesn't fit in with their with whatever that organization is looking for um also uh it's probably more useful to get a small group involved who have a very specific goal in mind and to do that research um quietly outside of the realm of a big group you know five six eight ten people uh with a very specific uh research goal in mind and when they finish it, document everything very carefully uh Publish it online and then break up and go do something else, um, may, maybe another research project. Uh, I think that's a way to – I've got this idea, mimic the obliqueness of the subject. This, the The UFO thing is so strange and so squirrely. I think the only way to get a handle on it is to be a little less organized in, in, in the way that we have been, if that makes sense.
0: It does. Uh, I guess I was speaking more to the idea of outlandish uh, claims, and you mentioned data. Oh, yeah, I'm yeah. talking about there's a, a total absence of evidence, a total absence of data. Just somebody says, well, I was abducted by aliens, and I was taken to Venus, uh, and they will build a conference around these types of people.
1: Oh, well, because people like people like good stories. I mean, that that's always how it's been. Unfortunately, that's not how you – um, gain any that is that is creating a mythology and a and um a uh, kind of a carnival atmosphere which has actually been with ufology since the beginning off you know to various degrees um this, uh the serious people that take this seriously generally don 't have huge conferences or have um, all these speakers, they they kind of quietly do their research, compare notes with other people and, you know, maybe will be on interview shows or whatever to, to share some of their research. Um, yeah, you have to get people, you know, you have to get people sitting in conferences and paying the tickets and all that. But there's got to be a medium in there. I think the uh, International UFO Congress that uh, uh, Alejandro Rojas puts on, um, no matter what what you think of it, he does make an effort to have dissenting views in there there may be two or three researchers only i mean he's he's going to have uh, you know the, the mainstream speakers and maybe a few people you don't agree with um but uh, he will he has made an effort to put uh speakers in that almost nobody agrees with or that that are going to upset some people um and i think that's brave and that that should happen more
0: uh talk to me about your thoughts on to borrow a phrase from richard dole and the breakaway a civilization that uh, if there is, let's say, a back-engineered alien technology, if that's what we're dealing with, they have it, they're using it, they're not going to give it up. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Uh, I think it'd be very, very easy to cover something like that up. So it's quite possible. But I don't know if I've you know, – I've looked into it enough to see that there's enough evidence that such a thing is going on. It would be very easy. I mean, of course, the the, the military and the intelligence community – uses that kind of technology, we never hear about it. So it'd be very easy for some kind of a civilization to do that, too, as long as they have the cooperation of some part of the government, at least the one that te- keeps track of things in space and what's going up into space. Um, as, as for, you know, uh, terrestrial base, um, I'm not so sure. I, 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 I don't see enough evidence for it to make me 100 percent – uh, sure that there is some sort of breakaway civilization existing uh, and yes whole conferences has been built ap- around, around this idea actually a friend of mine Walter Bosley presents at these things and we've had a few discussions about it <laughs> he's he's very invested in that thinking there is some sort of breakaway civilization or civilizations uh, existing right now uh, uh, on this planet.
0: Much of that sort of hangs on some quotes which may be apocryphal they, they, there may be some truth to them attributed to ben rich of skunk works you know we we have things out in the hangar in the desert that are 50 years beyond your wildest imagination right. if we've if you've seen it on star trek or star wars we've been there <clears throat> done that right what do you what send what do you e. think? home nothing. yes yes what do you what do you make of of ben rich uh and, and these quotes are have you have you investigated is there any truth to them did he say them
1: the uh, send ET home thing, I I'm pretty sure he did say it's been cited in multiple places. I can't rem- remember the original uh, citation, um, and it was cited, I I believe, in the in in at least one major um, media outlet at the time, or at least a, a, a very soon afterwards. Um, and you know what I make of it is what I made at the when I first heard this, and when I was more. Um, prone to what? To believe more things than I do now wholeheartedly. Uh, I've kind of backed off of a lot of things and taken this kind of agnostic view. But at the time, you know, when I first heard that quote, it was fascinating to me because one, I I was heavily involved with writing Project Beta at the time or just about to. And the, uh, the other thing was, as I was writing that, I realized that Uh, In many cases, the military and the technology that is available to the military is 5, 10, 15, 20 years ahead of where we think it is. I'll give you one example. I talked about something called adaptive optics in in Project Beta. Adaptive optics is a way to artificially um, steady an image. Like when you see stars twinkle, that's the atmosphere, the air bending the uh, light from the stars. And it just makes it fuzzy. Um, there was a technology invented in the, in the seventies, uh, late seventies, which is one of the things I think that they didn't want Paul Benowitz to know about that could look at stars or satellites, because that's what we're interested in and to, um, artificially sharpen those images up. Actually, they used a mirror that was, that would actually be, uh, it was a bendable mirror in a telescope, a fascinating thing. Um, that was in the late 70s. Sometime in the mid to late 90s, uh, they let that technology out for astronomers. And to them, it was, you know, this brand new, wonderful thing. But it had been commonplace in the intelligence community for what? For, for uh, almost 20 years. And that's just one example. So. I think they are ahead of us you know ahead of definitely ahead of where we think they are they have to be because you know if you've got some technology you don't want the the other you know uh, another government to know about of course you're going to keep it under wraps of course you're going to cause um, rumors to be spread about it so you so you can see who knows what Um, but uh, th- there's another part of this and I think he all you know somebody like Ben Rich is savvy he would also engage in a little bit of you know Bragging and saying things just to see what people would say and to worry the adversary or their companies or whatever. Maybe they did have technology that could send ET home. Um, maybe they do. Um, until it's revealed to everybody, we we really don't know though, do we?
0: Well, what do you make of uh, the the claims of of uh, was Gary uh, Gary Evans? Uh, in in the uk who hacked into uh supposedly the pentagon uh, computers and discovered evidence of you know deep space platforms and and uh Mm -hmm. and all the like what what do you make of that
1: uh it means that there's a secret space program probably but um how far that goes past the military i do not know it was gary uh, mckinnon gary mckinnon my apologies thank you yeah yeah um Yeah, some of that stuff exists, but I don't know how much he found out about how far that would go past the military. Now, a secret space program certainly won't exist. A breakaway civilization, I don't have enough evidence in front of me yet to say that there's some sort of existing breakaway civilization that has access to technology that we do not. Uh, Maybe maybe it turns into the crypto terrestrial thing where there is a a civilization, but it didn't break away. It was broken away long, long, long time ago Mm. before before, you know, uh, before recorded history. And uh, maybe that's what we're seeing evidence of when people see uh, when people say they have evidence of a breakaway civilization. Maybe it's a completely different one.
0: You uh, mentioned that somewhere along your journey, you became more of an agnostic. Can you pinpoint when that was and why, why you became more of an agnostic when, re- with regards to uf- ufology?
1: I can't really pinpoint it. It was probably a concatenation of just hearing story after story after story after story and not being able to check up on it. No way of being check, of being able to check up on it and being annoyed with people who believe things that you couldn't check up on. So as kind of almost to protect myself psychologically and also, you know, the, you, you can't really look at the subject matter without having a sense of agnosticism meaning, or skepticism, meaning a true skeptic, meaning, I will consider everything, but I will not make a decision until I have overwhelming evidence, at least for me, that uh, I will say that something is fact. Um, and it, it's, it's – uh, n- almost none of that is provided with the UFO and uh, the UFO subject because it kind of – you almost can't. So the only sane attitude I think to take is to say, look, I'm, I will be – I'm interested in anything that seems to have merit – but I'm not going to wholeheartedly believe in any of it, because as soon as you do, you've shut the door on on uh, on uh, uh, on your discernment, on your on, on, a, on a mind that will you know, be able to uh, change your opinion, change its opinion when new information becomes available. And there's always new information available if you look for it
0: in terms of alternative information. When you're not delving into this arena, ufology, where else do you like to go?
1: Hmm, it's so it's so weird because I uh, on my show I've had probably ninety percent UFO uh, people and researchers and talk, uh, but I've also had uh, cryptid uh, people on. I've talked to uh, uh, Nick Redfern a couple of times who delves into all these things. Um, I've had uh, ghost people on, ghost hunters, uh, and um, recently I actually was in um, last year. I was in uh, Nova Scotia. With my friend Paul Kimball, and I went on a ghost hunt with him because he has a show called Haunted right now uh, on on Eastlink, which I guess is a maritime uh, Canada Canadian maritime uh, 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 TV network. Anyway, we went to a museum, and I actually, for the first time, had had uh, experience of things that I couldn't explain, like oh, really? cold spots. Wow. Yeah, cold spots. Uh, I had. I had a strange tingling go from my the back of my skull all the way down my back, back of my legs, and out my heels. When somebody's somebody said I just felt something go by me, and I'm you know I'm I'm in there not saying I'm just going to accept what happens. I'm not going to be scared. I'm not going to be excited. I just want to experience, and I did experience some very strange things, like the two things I just mentioned. We also had a, something called a REM pod, which I guess. Um, detects electromagnetic fields, changes in temperature, changes in pressure. And it started um, sending messages to us after we said, you know, one for yes, two for no. Uh, I don't think anybody was messing with me. And we were getting answers apparently from my friend who I've just talked about uh, during this show, Mac Tony's, He's also Paul Kimball's friend. Um, But yeah, uh, and I think at a very basic level, a lot of this stuff is connected, and I think the connecting link is us. it's our mind, it's human consciousness
0: still a still an agnostic
1: about that <laughs> uh, i i was I don't know you know i i I believe that there is weird stuff that happens uh where people say something is haunted. I don't know if it's dead people. I have no idea. I think it might have something to do with the afterlife, but I'm not sure yet. Um, and I'm very, uh, when, there, when you're talking about some of these paranormal things, I'm very loath to put a, what's the word, to put a model on it. Because if I've got a model, then everything has to stick to that model. I go back to saying, you know, having a theory. Uh, I had my friend uh, Susan Dimitar St. Clair uh, from Toronto, actually, uh, on my show a uh, couple of times, and she said she was tired of what she called the DPH dead people hypothesis with regards to <laughs> with regards to uh, ghost hunting and the paranormal and things like that there's a lot more going on there than dead people and um, I, I think that a lot of people that are into that uh, that community are very focused like people are on the extraterrestrial hypothesis on the dead person hypothesis and I don't think it accounts for all of the uh, phenomena that happens uh, how do we listen to Misterioso? Radio Mysterioso is on usually Sundays live at, uh, uh, from 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific, and you just have to go to uh and there's a large uh, 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 backlog of uh, shows going back years. I think I've got a couple hundred on there, so if you want to binge the uh, binge listen, you're perfectly welcome to. Well Greg
0: until we work again on coast to coast and um you're going to be dropping by in uh, this fair city of Toronto in a couple um, a couple of months I look forward to meeting you then and working with you again on coast and thank you for dropping by
1: Conspiracy Unlimited Thanks so much for having me on Richard My pleasure
0: Well it's almost time for me to dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs but before I do that I want to tell you what's coming up on Episode 55 of Conspiracy Unlimited. First, I want to remind you that if you want to get in on the weekly draw and a chance to win one of my Strange Planet CDs, it's real simple. Here's what you need to do. Just rate and review this podcast. Grab a screenshot and email it to me at richardserrett one at com. Richard Serat, S-Y-R-E-T-T, the numeral one at gmail.com. Don't forget to include your full name and mailing address. Then be listening every Friday for your name and your chance to win. I've been talking to you about Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract and how it provides powerful antioxidant effects throughout the body. And that's because green tea contains health-promoting polyphenols, including a powerful antioxidant which has been the subject of extensive scientific research. So why not pour on these multiple health benefits for yourself? Green tea is a powerful antioxidant. It supports cell membrane integrity, boosts liver detoxification, enhances immune function, and helps maintain healthy blood cholesterol, DL and triglyceride levels and much more. Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract is decaffeinated. Yet, it contains more polyphenols in one capsule than seven cups of green tea. The Chinese have used green tea for therapeutic purposes since 2000 BC. More recently, volumes of published scientific findings attest to its multiple health benefits. One capsule a day of Mega Green Tea Extract is all you need. Why don't you give your body what it needs? Order right now from Life Extension and save 25%. Just go to SmartClickIdea.com That's SmartClickIdea.com SmartClickIdea.com Coming up on episode 55 a practicing magician as well as a dedicated occultist and founding member of the London, Ontario Pagan Temple discusses Alistair Crowley and explains ceremonial and practical magic. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now.